0: Welcome to Whatever the Case, Stryker's official ASC podcast, which features interviews with leading experts in the ASC space, focused on the clinical, operational, and financial considerations that go into ASC ownership. We hope to bring you valuable perspectives and insights to enhance your understanding of the ASC market, because whatever the case, we've got you covered. We are joined today by Dr. Scott Chaufette a board-certified, fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon specializing in joint replacement. Dr. Chauvet currently practices and is part owner of an ASC in New Jersey, outside of Philadelphia, and he is here today to discuss his approach to outpatient knee replacement and his philosophy of treating every patient like an outpatient, unless proven otherwise. So with that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Chauvet, and thank you so much for being here and taking time to be on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Dana. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Wonderful. So, before we get started um, and get into the content, can you just give us a brief introduction?
1: I've been in practice for over 30 years. Um, I practice in South Jersey, a group called Reconstructive Orthopedics. I started, um, I did my um, residency in the University of Rochester in orthopedics, and I did a fellowship uh, at the Mayo Clinic in Adult Reconstructive Orthopedics. And I've been focusing on adult reconstructive, most of my career, uh, in two thousand sixteen, I was doing so many knee replacements. I stopped doing hip replacements and gave them to my partners who are doing direct anterior. I was too old to learn a new procedure, and I've just been doing a knee replacements. I do about uh, six hundred a year. Uh, I've done almost uh, three thousand Mako total knee arthroplasties, and I uh, most of my practice is now either ambulatory surgery or uh, an outpatient uh, or 23 hour stay at the hospital.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you again for being here. And I'm really excited to kind of jump in. And um, I know our title here says, One Surgeon's Outpatient Total Knee Program, 20 years in the making. And we'll get to what that means in a minute. But for now, um, can you just touch on how long you've been doing knees in the ASC? And at this point, what percentage of your practice is currently done in this setting?
1: So I started doing my first outpatient arthroplasty was in 2008, was actually in the hospital. And uh, I started doing unicompartmental arthroplasties when we opened our first surgery center shortly after that. It um, took me a while to do total knees. I was always somewhat restricted because of the instrumentation uh, for doing manual knees. Uh, it was difficult to get all those uh, instruments there. But uh, MAKO has really changed that. It allowed me to, to take my get rid of a lot of my instrumentation and do a lot more outpatient arthroplasty in the ASC. And uh, started doing my uh, total knee replacements in the uh, outpatient system about 2017 and uh, shortly after MAKO started. And then we built a new surgery center shortly after that in 2019. So currently I'm doing about 40% of my knees in the surgery center with a fair proportion of them uh, outpatient arthroplasty being done in the hospital setting. So over 50% of my knees are technically same-day discharge, and the remainder of them actually go home the next day.
0: Okay. So that's still a pretty large percentage. Um, And I know our title here says 20 years in the making. And as we were preparing for this podcast, you mentioned you've been thinking about outpatient arthroplasty since 2001, so more than 20 years ago. Um, And how did that come about?
1: So I've been doing all my standard uh, medial patella approaches and had a very busy practice. And in 2001, I went to a course by another company who we won't mention. And, uh, I saw uh, one of the surgeons talking about outpatient arthroplasty. And this was my first experience with it. And it was the two incision hip uh, by Dr. Berger. And some light bulb went off in my head thinking that this is brilliant. I mean, all, you know, Uh, Big procedures for knees have eventually gone from uh, inpatient to outpatient, and this would be a really uh, wonderful thing to do for our patients. And I spent about two years trying to learn how to do the two-incision hip, um, which has morphed into the direct anterior approach, but at that time, it was a a difficult procedure, and I realized that I probably should be focusing my attention uh, on the knee. So I went to see a couple of the surgeons and there weren't many doing quad sparing approaches at that time. And I, uh, I saw Peter Benuti, and he was using Scorpio instrumentation with anterior referencing and I watched him do a couple of procedures and I thought I could actually do this. So I started, uh, getting a set from Stryker and started, uh, trying to take my technique and turn it into a quad sparing approach. And that was in 2003 and it took a while. To learn that. My tourniquet times went from 25 minutes to 96 minutes. Um, but after a couple of months and figuring out how to how to use it and, and proper techniques to protect the tissues and such, we were down to a pretty regular 40 minutes, 45 minute tourniquet time. And I had by about three or four months transition to doing just all sparing knees. What I discovered was that these patients really did do much better faster. They would be able to straight leg lift and most of them would be able to I get control of their knees much quicker, but not every patient uh, was able to do this. And it was a mystery to me why you know half of my patients were doing well and the other ones weren't. And I became more interested in the why. And it turns out that a lot of these patients were pretty weak and deconditioned before I was taking a surgery. Yes, they all had arthritis, but a lot of them were working through it, going to the gym, you know, fighting through the arthritis and not succumbing. And you know, a lot of them would just take to a cane, going up steps, you know, one at a time, and, you know, stop exercising, stop going to the gym. And those patients weren't quite getting the benefit. And I figured if I was going to be doing a quad sparing technique, I better make sure that the quadriceps was actually functioning at its proper level. So I started testing my patients. Very simple test. I'd sit them on the edge of the exam table, have them hold their normal or un, uh, non-arthritic knee straight out And I would try to flex it, yeah, using just force pushing on the ankle, and patients literally be able to hold that leg out straight as long as it wasn't diseased. And then I have them put the other one up, and a fair proportion of these patients, the knee would just collapse. They wouldn't be able to hold it up, or it would uh, it would buckle with just minimal pressure. And these patients were obviously fairly weak and deconditioned, and they were the ones that were really struggling. So it became important to me to try to fix this. You know, before moving on and uh, doing a knee replacement, and that's sort of where my interest in that came about. Usually around 2008, uh, when I was starting to do more outpatient arthroplasty, I really started to uh, to address this directly with the patients.
0: Okay, so it first started with your interest in quad sparing techniques, and then kind of understanding that the outcomes of your patients were much different and you know, understanding why that was. So it then comes to this point, and you kind of mentioned this as well, how you came up with a car analogy to treating this condition and this difference in, in how your patients were doing. And so explain to us how that translated to how you've changed your practice and, and what that's done for you.
1: Sure. So I, when I was trying to get these patients stronger, I, like everybody else, was sending patients to physical therapy at the behest of all the physical therapists around to get people stronger. And invariably, they were not getting very successful. They'd give them like two exercises that helped and have them doing squats and stair steppers and wall sits and things that made them miserable. And they weren't getting better. And I realized that I really had to become more involved with getting these patients to exercise. And in my mind, The most consistent exercise that a patient can do with an arthritic knee is a stationary bike, and specifically, I would be using a recumbent bike, so a lot of my patients had some back issues, and they couldn't sit in that racing posture. So I wanted my patients to exercise on a stationary bike, doing a 30-minute aerobic workout to get their strength back to normal, and I really had to explain to them why this was so important to me, and that's sort of the origin of of the car analogy, how I can explain to a patient how I see the arthritis and the treatment arthritis so they can understand it and move forward and the way i would describe it and the patients understand this because they come in saying they have bone on bone is i would put up their x-ray and it shows that there's thin cartilage usually on the medial lateral aspect and i would explain to them that the cartilage is the just like the tread of the knee just like there's tread on the tire of a car and basically to this person you know they're the car and the knees that are front tires or hips that are back tires and they have to drive around on these for 60 or 70 years. And when the tread starts to wear out, you have a bald tire, it affects how the car drives. If you keep driving it, you have a flat tire. You keep driving that, you're riding on the rim. And that's sort of like all the extents of arthritis. And I'll explain to the patient that they're of course coming to me with a bald tire or a flat tire. And they want me to change their tire. Because literally, as surgeons, that's what we do. We resurface the knee and we're tire changers. And then, this is one of my weaker patients, and they will already have failed my test. I would tell them that the tires are not the only thing that keep the car running. I said there's more important things that keep a car running, such as the motor of the car. And I explained to them that the motor is their quadriceps. And if they had a car with a bald tire, a flat tire, and a dead motor, and they took that car to a mechanic like me, and all I did was change the tire and give the car back to them they're not gonna be a happy customer. And they seem to understand that. And then if they're in a decent mood, I'll go on to tell them that possibly they may be putting too much in the trunk of that car. I mean, that's their weight because every extra 10 pounds on their body would put 70 on that knee, especially going upstairs and getting out of chairs. And that's also gonna affect their ability to get around. And that before I could think about putting a new tire on them, we at minimum have to fix the motor sometimes we've got to take a little bit out of the trunk. And then I would pull out the exercise program and patients seem to get it right. They understand that they need to get their strength back if they're going to do well. At this point in my career, most of my patients do really well. Um, so patients know they want to get that outcome and they're interested in doing that. So I give them a bike. I tell them where to get it. They can get one on, online at Walmart for $149. They can have it shipped to them. They're... Um, I'd show them how to ride it. I have them start out easy, work up to, you know, 30 minute ride. And I give them a cardiac, you know, these bikes have heart rate monitors. I give them a heart rate to stay on if they're off beta blockers, you know, based on their age, 110 to 125 or 115 to 130. So we know that they're getting stronger and I always give them a two month recheck because if they're not coming back to see me, they may not actually do the exercise. But if they know I'm invested in it and I want them to do it and I give an appointment to come back and see me, they're going to do it. And I end up booking most of my patients on my follow-ups when they come back at two months. But the surprising thing is, is that all those patients I thought were going to be unis or the patients with just, you know, early bone-on-bone deformity, sometimes their pain disappears completely because it was the weakness and the deconditioning that was a big problem, not the arthritis. And those patients i call them i put them in the bank because they're going to come back they're never going to go see another doctor they're always going to come back to me when they finally need surgery and as long as they continue to bike and we can manage their arthritis they can do well non-operatively so that's sort of how i morphed into this over years starting with quad sparing and getting in the exercise program and i've become a big believer that these patients generally come in weak deconditioned and they're not engaged in their knee. They're not engaged in their treatment. They you know, want somebody else to fix them. They want somebody else to give them visco. They want to go to somebody to make them stronger. They're going to use a cane. They're going to use their other leg. And they become disconnected from their extremity. And I think it's very important if you're going to develop a large outpatient practice that you turn these patients into outpatient candidates. And I do think that that's what this program we're talking about can really do, can really not only do a better job of treating your patients, but can also focus on getting all those patients into an outpatient setting. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, it's really a unique perspective. And I love the analogy about the CAR. And it certainly makes a ton of sense to me. I'm sure your patients can really relate to that as well. And you know, you're treating so many other areas and getting them active and mobile and and really engaged with their care, um, which which is wonderful. So um, aside from that, which I definitely don't want to, um, you know, discount or discredit how impactful that certainly has been to your practice, um, is there anything else that has assisted in your ability to be successful in the ASC?
1: So, getting the patients to the ASC, uh, a lot of it is the strength thing, but being able to do the surgeries in the ASC, I, I truly have found that, that Mako has been remarkable for me. My, my initial interest in the Mako uh, was uh, to get rid of all my instrumentations. I wanted to get desperately into an ASC setting, and I was doing manual knees with anterior referencing um, triathlon instrumentation, and it's six trays that we had to sterilize. And so, for me to process, six trays and I'll do, you know, six cases a day, it's, I'd have to build a sterile processing center the size of all my OR suites. And I didn't want to build another hospital. I wanted a a small sleek ASC. And so I really pushed when the Mako came out. I was not a navigation. I was, I was using standard instrumentation Mm -hmm. and a measured resection approach. Um, I wanted to get the Mako for that reason. And then uh, since I do a quad sparing minimid vastus approach, the MAKO really wasn't set up for that. So uh, we had to do some lab work to make sure that we could adapt it to, to the way we would do our procedures, which we have. And very quickly, I found out that doing manual cuts when you have to take the tibia out first with a manual saw is, is dangerous and difficult to teach. But with MAKO, with the haptics, you can't cut through the posterior capsule into the neurovascular bundle, even if you tried and it's protective of, of the ligaments so blind cutting was no longer a factor we could put the knee in extension and do our cuts and so that became much easier and then the outcomes being able to get this ct and being able to find out that patient's native anatomy i personally do functional alignment so i stay within you know three degrees of varus or two degrees of algus but i can actually find the patient's native slope which will vary in, in patients the uh, the slope of their tibia. And I can basically recreate their knee with the Mako, do a quad sparing approach on those patients and get them out of there. And I actually feel like, you know, they're coming in and three hours later, they're leaving with the exact same knee, except with a new liner. And I do believe I've seen personally a much higher experience with patients coming in and they're coming in for their second knee and I go, how's your other knee to go? I don't even think about it. And that's just something that I didn't see before MAKO. So I believe, you know, using a MAKO for in a quad sparing knee is, is a phenomenal experience. And as teaching, we do teach fellows, um, being able to teach with the MAKO is very helpful. The MAKO will also take a difficult procedure and what I would call democratize it and make it easier for surgeons who do to don't do high volume surgery, to take a more complicated Procedures such as a mini invasive approach and be able to do it much more quickly. Um, so, I found it just a phenomenal asset for uh, outpatient arthroplasty and ASC.
0: Well, it was great hearing from you today, Dr. Chauffette, and I really enjoyed hearing about your unique approach to total knee replacement, how you're engaging your patients to help them understand how there is so much more to being ready for surgery than just the knee itself and getting them active and mobile in preparation. So then, you know, we, t- we couple that that with that new mentality, your patient's strength within the technology you're using in the ASC to ensure an optimal surgical outcome, and there you have it. <laughs> so thank you again for your time and, and for sharing this with us today.
1: Thank you. I think it's been transformative for me in my career, patient engagement and outpatient arthroplasty and MAKO, and and looking back over 30 years, to see where I started and where I came to, I don't think I ever could have imagined I would have ended up at this point where I am now in my career, and I'm still excited by it.
0: Dr. Scott Chaufette is a paid consultant of Stryker. His viewpoints expressed in this podcast are his own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Stryker. To learn more about Stryker's ASC business, visit www.stryker.com slash ASC.